steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, well, we've got a bit of an off-season episode for you, for sure. Uh, not a whole lot going on in Vikings land, of course, as you all know. But uh, there have been some developments and changes since the last time we spoke. Uh, the main one being Clint Kubiak being promoted to officially being uh, the offensive coordinator for your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the other development that we're going to spend some time on today is Justin Jefferson versus Justin Herbert and ultimately what happened there with the Rookie of the Year voting. Um, as we're all well aware at this point, Jefferson lost out to Herbert, um, according to the AP at least. Um, Pro Football Focus recognizes Justin Jefferson's uh, Rookie of the Year candidacy, but um, there's kind of an ongoing debate there. So we're going to kind of ignite that debate and discuss um, – you know, the merit of his case and why he probably had the best candidacy of all time for a player at his position. So uh, we'll spend some time on both of those things here today. Should be a relatively short episode, but uh, that's the game plan. So let's uh, let's get it started here talking a little bit about Clint Kubiak. So uh, Drew and I have spent probably too much time talking about Clint Kubiak already, uh, given that he seemed like the predetermined candidate for the position. Uh, we both were in the, you know, kind of on the side that believed that he was ultimately going to be the reason or excuse me, the, he was going to get that promotion and that the Vikings might, you know, take a look at some outside options, which they did. Uh, but ultimately he was the guy and um, that's, you know, that's effective immediately. Uh, I guess, what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, moving from Kubiak to the younger Kubiak, I suppose. Yeah, this is exactly what we expected. Um, and it's, it's the safe hire, right? I think we talked about that, covered that previous episodes. We covered that this would be the, the, the safe move here if you're trying to conserve what the Vikings offense accomplished in right. 2020, which was pretty darn impressive, all things considered. Uh, I know I have my own uh, nitpicking things, if you will, uh, to that can improve. But, uh, you know, very efficient offensively, both running the ball and through the air. Uh, another great season from Kirk Cousins, uh, despite maybe poor pass protection overall. Um, I think, you know, you had you have to be pleased with the results. And so the the best thing you can do to conserve that, uh, if Gary Kubiak is going to leave, is um, keep the guy in house who just happens to be his son. So uh, it's you would imagine a lot of things are going to be very similar in terms of uh, the scheme used. Um, I, I will say in the sort of the um, – you know, press conference after being promoted, Clint did mention, you know, that he wants to be more unpredictable and things. Um, uh, people keep think, saying that's a, you know, shot at his dad or anything. I, I mean, that's one of those questions, right? Where like, when I mean, how are you supposed to answer it? You know, like if right. someone asks you, what can you improve? You're not going to say, well, everything was perfect and awesome. Uh, we can't get better. So like, that's not, you know, a gr- so unfair, he's just, yeah. he's, he's giving you the answer that he needs to give. But uh, I think it's, it's a safe move. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot change, I don't think. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Clint Kubiak is probably the right guy, all things considered, at least if you're – especially Mike Zimmer. I think, you know, Mike Zimmer is always about – he he kind of said he really liked what they did offensively. 
doesn't want to change too much. And so uh, I, I think that clean Kubiak was the move. I think we predicted it right. And um, I think, I think that was a good move and I'm, I'm all for it. So you, a couple things here with Clint Kubiak. First and foremost, I don't know a whole lot about the guy because he just hasn't had much face time yet, straight up. Like, he's been, you know, basically covered up by his father for his entire career, and that's perfectly fine. You know, good for him. He, you know, was born on, you know, second base, and he moved it yeah. over. He has advanced in his career and became, you know, not just an assistant, not just, a, you know, you know, a guy that's kind of, you know, helping out around the clubhouse. It's He's a guy now. He's the guy, and he's going to be calling the shots, and he's going to try and improve on what his father did. Um, and his father's legacy, which, for what it's worth, is pretty impressive. You know, like, this is a this is a guy that was able to accomplish everything in the NFL um, as a head coach, as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator. And you have to believe that, given that he's been working closely with his son for a lot of his professional tenure, um, that a lot of that information and that kind of that, that strategy and, you know, the line of thinking that goes into what makes you a great innovative play caller uh, was carried down to Clint. I mean, that a lot of that remains to be seen, but you have to feel that way. Um, and, you know, you talked about his introductory press conference a little bit. I, I'm with you. Like, what is he going to say? That yeah. he's not going to improve on what his father did. Um, <laughs> full disclosure. I'm in Arizona right now, and uh, I'm, I'm outside doing this podcast, and there are a couple chihuahuas right now <laughs> that are barking. So if you hear that, I apologize, but it, they're pretty hilarious, and they're very cute little dogs. So uh, please bear with me in that regard. So uh, back to Kubiak here. You look at, you know, you look at the body of work that he's already been able to establish, and there isn't much. We don't know, like straight up, we just don't know much about this guy. I, I think that there's, you know, a lot to be said from the pedigree and, you know, the family name and the legacy. And, you know, you can, we can talk, you know, we can run circles around that all day long. But ultimately, like he's got to be able to show something. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing here, it's not that, you know, the philosophy is a big piece, right? When you hire, you know, a coach and you're trying to transition your offense back to being, you know, essentially what it was last year, maybe a little bit better. If you can get better, that's good. Uh, but what makes, you know, I guess the case for nervousness with regard to Clint Kubiak is, as far as I'm concerned, he has no play calling experience. Now, has he maybe called a play here or there? Possibly. I'm sure that he has had some input uh, to his father when his father was calling plays. Uh, but play calling is literally an art. And I know that sounds cliche and kind of dumb, and I'm sure you probably could read that type of quote from someone on Instagram that you don't actually want to follow. But my point is that you can't just like you can't just step into the role and be really good at it. It takes a lot of different things coming together. You need the players. I think the Vikings have given him the weapons he needs to have some success. But you need to have some innovation. You need to have some creativity, and you need to have you know, the ability to call things on the fly, transition easily. You know, we've talked about the Vikings multiple times in the past where they simply, you know, they've lost games because they weren't able to make the necessary adjustments on the fly, whether that was Mike Zimmer himself, previous offensive coordinators. I mean, Kevin Stefanski struggled in that regard when he first started calling plays. Um, and I expect the, you know, I expect that it's, it, you know, we're going to need to give Clint Kubiak a bit of a leash. You know, week one might not be that impressive. I'm, I think that if it was impressive, that's a testament to everything that he's learned and everything that he's become throughout his career. But he's a young guy, um, no play calling experience, no in-game experience where your blood is boiling and you, you know, have to make fast decisions in what, 40 seconds. Uh, that's something that you can't really teach. You can try to instill the mindset or the behavior or, you know, the qualities of a great coach. Um, 
but until you actually step into those shoes and are forced to call a play um, that, you know, seems like the right decision, but may or may not be, could go either ways. You know, you think the Marshawn Lynch call at the goal line or better the Russell Wilson call at the goal line, those types of decisions, they're going to come up. The Vikings are going to be competitive probably, you know, at the very least in the next couple of years. And there's going to be a moment where Clint Kubiak needs to make a decision without input from Mike Zimmer, without input from his assistants. And he needs to, you know, unilaterally make a call that's going to be polarizing. How does he handle that situation? None of us have the answer to that question. And that's probably the one thing that, you know, when you hire someone who is brand new at the role, you have to be concerned about that just as a fan. You're, you're, you're hoping for the best. And let's be real here. You can get a worst case scenario here. This could be a flop. He could have no idea what he's doing and he could be moved into an assistant role in two years. That could happen. That could happen. I'm sorry. But at the same time, you have to feel comfortable with the continuity here, a word that we love to use so much because of the name value, the fact that he's been around and the ability to you know, work with players. Everyone that's talked about him has had positive things to say. Granted, that's in the media. We don't read the in emails that are you know, going on internally or you know, the text messages. I'm sure there's people that are not always a huge fan of Clint Kubiak, but outwardly speaking, he's got everything that you want in a young play caller. And, you know, we want to get younger. The Vikings want to act like a professional football team in 2021, not 1994. Well, I don't know and if I, they do, but we certainly we want, want them to. Yeah, 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 that's a fair point. <laughs> so this is where it stands at this point. And, you know, is, is there anything else that we can even offer about Clint Coop? I don't think anyone can. Like, No, yeah. I mean, no, nobody knows anything. It's just, uh, I guess, you know, we can give our, like, the two cents on what, we would like to improve, uh, which, you know, what is that? Like, I, what was, is, what I is was a stickler about Kubiak running the ball too much in second and long um, or really second and short. I think those are two scenarios where uh, not, I'm not saying hundred percent of the time passed the ball, but it was, you know, you look at league wide percentages on, you know, run percentage, second, short run percentage, second, long, um, which, which I think both of those scenarios are very opportunistic passing downs. Vikings were towards the bottom of the league in terms of pass percentage there. And you look at that kind of graph, if you will, um, I'll have to bring it up. I know uh, Ben Baldwin, who's a very strong analytically, you know, data driven right. uh, media guy. He's got all this stuff. He, he was tweeting it weekly throughout the year. Uh, but you kind of look at that graph and, you know, the top offenses in the league, you know, your, your, your Kansas city chiefs, uh, I guess earlier in the season, Seattle Seahawks before they kind of went back to their, uh, origin of run heavy down the stretch of the year. But, you know, these, these, these high powered offenses are near the top passing the ball often. And, you know, while I, I love Dalvin cook and I think he's, you know, in terms of uh, playing the running back position, he's one of the best in the NFL um, passing is where it's at. And especially when you can do it as well and as efficiently as Kirk has with Thielen, with Justin Jefferson, you got to get those guys more targets, get them more involved. And they started to down the stretch, but um, I would just be, you know, that's the next step to take here is really upping that pass percentage that for sure flipping that um, run pass balance, you know, a little bit heavier towards the passing side um, and trying to take advantage of defenses that way. And kind of using Dalvin cook for as talented as he is, but using the running game as a complimentary piece rather than driving your offense. So kind of go, to go off of that, we can look at the career history and kind of the background beyond the name of Kubiak, right? Like, He's going to be tied to his father forever, and that's kind of unfair, but he also does have his own kind of route that he took to get to where he is. Um, Clint Kubiak, of course, was you know a quality control coach initially at Texas A&M, 
But what I kind of want, what I'm interested in specifically, is the fact that he was a wide receivers coach at Kansas. So you bring some kind of some college intuition, I suppose. Um, and he's also worked specifically with quarterbacks. I don't see running backs coach on his resume. So that's something to think about here, whereas this guy's background is literally in passing the football, whereas his father is widely regarded as one of the best, you know, West Coast West Coast offense schemers, uh, specifically running that, you know, that running the ball to the right side uh, with his own protection scheme. Um, that doesn't seem to be Clint Kubiak's MO, and I don't expect that to be his MO, um, especially given what he has said. You know, like he, you, make, you make these points that, you know, where can the team improve? Well, the answer, and he's right, he nailed it, being less predictable. That's, that's yeah. where the Vikings can improve in a lot of ways. And specifically, I mean, he might not have said this out loud, but if you read yeah. between the lines a little bit here, what's less predictable than – or excuse me, what's more predictable than running the ball on first and ten? Nothing. Nothing is. And the Vikings did that, you know, at the highest, one of the highest percentages in the NFL. They also ran on second and long in one of the highest percentages in the NFL. Um, These are two areas where like, yes, the Vikings offense was, you know, I don't want to call them a juggernaut, but they were very, very solid. They're strong top 10 in the NFL in just about every respect. Uh, But there are areas of situational football where the Vikings could probably improve and we hope they improve. And, you know, I I look at Clint Kubiak's background and I I don't see anything about him that suggests that he's going to be the type of guy to run it down your throat, uh, which also kind of conflicts with Mike Zimmer's mantra. So we'll see. That's what I was going to say. The only, the only, the only, the big thing that's like, well, the Vikings are going to stick with running the football, I think is, is Mike Zimmer. And maybe, you know, it's possible too that the reason Gary Kubiak ran the ball so much and Kevin Stefanski was so heavy on running the football too a little bit is Mike Zimmer. Um, maybe he's kind of the, you know, I don't, we, we, we never know how much of a uh, fingerprint he really has on the offense. Um, but it, clearly he's got this, um, he wants to run the ball. That was kind of the rifts it seemed like between he and John Filippo back in 2018. So, um, we'll see how much of that is involved here, but I, again, this is the expected hire. Um, you know, there's not much else we can really say at this point. It's it's Gary Kubiak's kid. It's probably going to be very similar. Maybe some modern changes just because of well, you know Clint's kind of unique bring upbringing into the league uh, as a more uh, kind of in the modern era. So that's kind of what we're hoping for. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not much else to add right now. We have to wait and see with this guy because again, first time play caller. So we'll round out this segment with just a very simple question. What, what is it about the, what do you want to see from the Kubiak, or excuse me, the Clint Kubiak era? What is like one thing that you want him to nail down that in your mind will make the Vikings better. And, you know, in, in theory kind of progresses this offense into you know something different than we've seen in mm-hmm. the recent past, you know, distant past, et cetera. Um, you know, I, again, it's just, it's more pa- like a higher pass volume. Um, you know, a higher percentage of plays are pass plays. Um, take advantage of like second and short, for example. That to me is a passing down, right? You throw a complete pass yeah. on second and two, you got third and two, you run a you know, delay up the middle for Dalvin Cook and you take your first down. I mean, it's that that was upsetting to me the, the entire year that it'd be second and one. They'd take it up the middle with Dalvin for two yards, grab the first down, I and mean, they could do that on the very next play after taking a shot deep with Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. So open the playbook up, become modern let Kirk cousins rip it because when he does get comfortable, as we've seen, he can kind of light it up. Uh, and I think the best way to get Kirk cousins comfortable, in my opinion, is to really get him into a rhythm uh, frequently, give him a, a high number of attempts early on, let him get comfortable with Jefferson at Thielen. That's kind of the next step I want to see take, taken here by, by Clint Kubiak. I think you said that for all of us, 
to be honest with you. I don't, I mean, is there anything else that any of us want? We just want to see more passing and it's not just for entertainment value. It's literally for winning football games too. Um, you know, the Vikings in the early 2000s seemed to be one of the most progressive offenses of all time, right? You think of the Mike Tice era, the Denny Green era, uh, the way that they were, the volume that they were throwing at. It was ahead of its time. It was, you know, the same as what Kurt Warner's uh, Rams were doing. Or, you know, you think mm-hmm. of those teams from the late 90s, early 2000s that were kind of taking initiative and throwing the ball more. And somewhere along the way, I think pro- I'm going to blame Brad Childress because everyone should blame Brad Childress for a lot of things. Um, the Vikings kind of got lost in that regard and, you know, got stuck in, I like to say the 80s, but it's probably the 90s more so. And I think all of us would just love to see just like if you're going to be a 33, 30- three-year-old uh first-time offensive play caller put your stamp on the league do something different and by different i mean just take the step forward with the vikings offense i mean they got the pieces yeah. man you've got everything you need to have a you know a, a chuck and shoot offense <laughs> you've got every piece that you want you've got the possession guy in Thielen. you've got the deep threat in jefferson that can literally do everything at every level you've got cook who's an excellent receiver out of the backfield You've got at least one tight end. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Kyle Rudolph. Uh, that's kind of an interesting developing situation that, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about. But you've got all the pieces, man. Like everything's there for you. And I think that if you can take, you know, more of an like, you got to look at Mike Zimmer in the eye and be like, look, I understand you want to control the football. You want to control the clock. You want to keep your defense, you know, fresh and ready to go at all times. But what about the offense? We got to do yeah. some things to help the offense too. It can't just be defense focused well, all plus, the time. Based on how things went last year, winning with defense in the run game is just not how this team's going to win. Right. Uh, at least not for now. You, you can't have the 27th ranked defense and try to win that way, which is what the Vikings tried to do last year. So speaking of this offense here that Clint Kubiak is about to command, he's got, you know, a weapon in Justin Jefferson who established his presence in the biggest possible way um, in the NFL this year. And I'm not, you know, I don't don't think I'm exaggerating in saying that. Uh, This is arguably the best rookie season ever for a wide receiver. I mean, we can go back and forth someday about, you know, Jefferson versus Moss and, you know, what standard really is the standard for the best. Is it touchdowns or is it receptions and receiving yards? But nevertheless, Justin Jefferson put up one of the most impressive statistical seasons of all time uh, for his position as a rookie and really, you know, one of the best receiving seasons, period, over the last four or five years, just in terms of volume, uh, in terms of, you know, being productive. Uh, He did all of those things at an extremely high level. Now, all of that amounted to, you know, a, a hotly contested debate in probably the biggest way possible. I mean, how rare is it that you truly are comparing a quarterback to a wide receiver in terms of value to their team? Because that is what the rookie of the year, the MVP, uh, offensive player of the year, et cetera, et cetera. That's all what that's truly based in is value, value and success and how much you were able to add to your team in terms of points. How were you able to help your team win more games or less games? And when you really simplify it like that, I mean, I think the answer becomes, you know, well, the quarterback just has this kind of uh, – they, they, they touch the ball in every play. There's right. – they have the more influence. Uh, but then you look at the season that Justin Herbert had, which was a great season, by the way. I don't mean to, to – I don't mean to downplay anything that Justin Herbert did. I think he's going to be a tremendous quarterback. I think he might be a top 10 passer next year. Uh, but this year is what matters. And this is a real argument here because Justin Herbert was more like a top 15 passer where Justin Jefferson was more like a top five wide receiver in terms of production. Uh, yeah. So the, the, here's your debate. Um, I think, you know, I think we both kind of have – 
established our stance that Justin Jefferson should be offensive yeah. rookie of the year. We were that's where we are. Call it bias, call it whatever you want. Um, but is is that a fair stance? Are we right to be taking that, or are we being, you know, Vikings fans that are just you know hoping our guy gets the award? Well, that, that's certainly happening, but I, I think it's so they need to clarify what offensive rookie of the year is, right? Because when running backs are winning this award over and over um, for, and, you know, as kind of the best offensive player, right. Um, that doesn't indicate value to me. Right. So in that sense, you know, skill position players are just as likely to win as a quarterback. It's simply based on how good you were based on that position. You know what I'm saying? So in that sense, you know, when running backs are winning this over and over, then the quarterback position shouldn't have that edge that Justin Herbert seemed to get this year. Uh, when, you know, when you talk about this, this award, I mean, look, Justin Herbert had a phenomenal rookie season uh, for, for any rookie, you know, he, he was awesome. I mean, straight up uh, that he was breaking records. Uh, he certainly surpassed my expectations. I didn't think a lot of Herbert coming out of uh, Oregon, uh, but of course, if you look back in hindsight, you see kind of the way things were run at Oregon and, this, <laughs> right. you know, some of the things that he uh, displayed, despite all that, it does make sense that he was able to come in and have some success. Now, I think the point that you made about well, Herbert was not necessarily a top five, top 10 quarterback and Justin Jefferson was. That's the thing that gets me right. Justin Jefferson was a pro bowler, which pro bowl this is, year pro know, bowler can, mattered. Pro Bowl yeah, this, this year it didn't matter because there wasn't, you know, 15 guys <laughs> right. or more that are just like opting out of it just because right. they don't want to go. And then you got another 15 guys. You get like Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr uh, being named to the Pro Bowl. It's, right. It was, you know, if you're, if you're in the Pro Bowl the first time, you definitely deserved it. Justin Jefferson got that award. Justin Herbert didn't. And, uh, you know, I think the point is, you know, you look at, you know, Herbert was probably what a top 15 to 20 quarterback this year, I'd say, which is again, outstanding for a rookie, like mm-hmm. to have that start already right. to come in and, and establish yourself as that um, is awesome. But the volume numbers that he was able to accomplish, touchdown passes, touchdown or uh, passing yards, um, you know, a lot of that is a result of simply having the most attempts by a rookie, I believe ever, or something like that. Yeah. High number of attempts. Um, I think he was like in the forties per game. A lot of that's because the Chargers were always losing. Uh, Justin Jefferson was one of the most efficient receivers this year. He looked at yards per target. I believe he was top five in the league. Uh, you know, again, 1400 yards receiving record, um, clearly, uh, you know, perceived by, you know, whoever you want to look at opposing DBs, opposing coaches, um, you know, your, your NFL analyst, whoever you want to look at Justin Jefferson established himself as at the you know bottom line, a top 10 receiver this year in the NFL. He's got the entire skill set, and you can't say that about Justin Herbert. So compared to their peers, Jefferson's more dominant. It's just I think Herbert got the benefit of the doubt as a quarterback, the whole value thing, which to me should only count for MVP, not offensive rookie of the year. Uh, there's, if there is an offensive MVP, or excuse me, if there is a rookie MVP, for example, then Herbert would get that. But offensive rookie of the year, give me Justin Jefferson. Okay, so let me ask you this then. So – We've detailed now that both of these guys broke records. Both of them had outstanding seasons relative to a rookie. Um, 
Justin Jefferson had an outstanding season relative to a professional wide receiver, whereas uh, Justin Herbert had a very solid uh, season for a professional quarterback. We've mm-hmm. got those you know, pieces put together here, and they seem to favor Justin Jefferson. Now, the piece that seems to favor Justin Herbert overwhelmingly is his impact on the team. Right. Because he touches the ball every single play, because, like you said, he had the high volume numbers where he was throwing the ball so regularly. He was, you know, as important of a catalyst within his offense as you're going to find across the league, just because the the Chargers relied heavily on that position. They lost Austin Eckler. Um, They lost a lot of pieces that they needed to have more success than they did. Uh, But Justin Herbert was able to kind of pave the way and do a nice job. But. His team also finished seven and nine. The Vikings, in turn, also did finish seven and nine as well. But here's my point. If you have more, um, if your role is more important to your team winning, right? Justin Herbert being a quarterback, Jefferson being a wide receiver, there's a difference in just the impact that the individual can simply have. It's just not possible for a wide receiver to have the same impact unless they receive on literally 100% of pass attempts from a quarterback, which isn't going to happen ever, unless you're Trell Owens, maybe. Uh, my point is that Herbert's 7-9 and nine record has to hurt his candidacy more than Jefferson's 7-9 and nine record has to yeah. hurt so if we're talking about, you know, if we're treating offensive rookie of the year the same way that we're treating MVP, which is it seems like that's what's happening. Right. Because I think there's no denying that the quarterback position is more valuable. And that's the only thing that Justin Herbert has undeniably above Justin Jefferson. But the fact that he went seven and nine, doesn't that hurt his candidacy? He didn't win anything. He didn't yeah. do anything that any quarterback. The, the had Chargers never done were still the Chargers in a lot of those games, right? Like that's what I'm they saying. lost they lost so many of those games in typical Chargers fashion, which is something that a truly franchise altering quarterback may have been able to change. Now, I, I don't like I don't want this to come off as like hating on Justin Herbert or anything like that because I I'll say it again. Like the guy exceeded has far exceeded my expectations that I would have placed on him for his rookie season. Um and you could see it right away, like the first couple of games where he got to start and got to play because of the, by the way, super unfortunate injury to, to, to Tyrod Taylor. But right. um, for him to go in there, he could see it right away. Just a, a, a very, you know, very poised, has a rocket of an arm, um, very mobile as well, and has, is very aware in the pocket, things like that. Um, very seasoned at that spot. Um, but Justin Jefferson is on a different level. Uh, you compare each of them to the peers at their position, starting quarterback, and starting wide receiver, you know, Jefferson is the more dominant player right now. And I don't think it's very close. And I think that's, you know, like if you ask defensive coordinators, right? Like who do they fear the most? Do they fear Justin Jefferson more? Or do they fear Justin Herbert more? You're going to get Jefferson 100% of the time. And so that's why I start. I mean, I believe he should have won rookie of the year. I mean, and if, if Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara, are going to win rookie of the year at running back position. Like those guys are studs, great skill players, but running back, right? So positional value clearly is not a huge deal with this award. It's got to be Jefferson then this year. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. The idea of, you know, the positional value question, right? Um, Whereas the quarterback relies exclusively on himself in terms of what his production is going to look like. Uh, the running back position and the wide receiver position rely more heavily on the offensive play calling, uh, the decision-making of their play- passer, um, and a, n- a number of other aspects that, you know, 
you can't really control just because you are a piece as opposed to, you know, the guy who controls everything that goes on within the team. Uh, is it, is it just going to be quarterbacks forever? Like, is this, is this what it's all about? Like, is there any way around it? Or is it the fact that with Herbert, you get, he, he broke records too, right? Volume records, nevertheless, yeah. but he broke these, he broke these records too. If he hadn't broken records, does Justin Jefferson win because he did break records? Yeah. Does that probably. matter? Is that I the difference so. here? I mean, so you think to me, like the quarterback thing is so also like, it's a, it's so heavily focused on which area you're playing in. Right. Like I think you see, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to get hall of, he already has hall of fame numbers just based on the fact that he right. played in this era where passing is such a big deal. Right. Versus like, God, I don't know. I mean, Dan Fouts, for example, or like some of these older guys that you know that they're, what they did is a very like super impressive for their own era, but it's today's different. And so the, you know, the further we go along here, every other year you're going to get a, somebody breaking this touchdown record that Herbert set or yards record. Right. Um, Justin Jefferson broke a record that was over 20 years old. It and might stand it was, the test of time as well. And it was the greatest player ever at the position to do it. So like there's, it's it's breaking your record. Isn't just breaking your record to me, especially one that's cumulative like Herbert's that's going to get broken every other year. It just is. What was it? Baker Mayfield before that, maybe two years ago before yeah. that it was then I'm like, I think Andrew Luck and Wilson were both there. Yep. Um, so like it happens very frequently at that spot, but I mean, how many times has that record been broken? The receiving record, the yards one that doesn't for that to stand that long and then be broken. And to me, this seems different. So there's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's again, it's not a huge deal. I know in terms of legacy hall of fame, things like that, the stuff does matter. Um, and I, and I don't know if this is clearly jumping the gun to a large degree about you know, either Herbert or Jefferson will be hall of fame candidates in the future, but it's something that, you know, we talk about with pro bowls the same way, like pro bowls don't matter. Like it doesn't really give us a full indication of who was better, who was more valuable, but they matter in the sense that these guys get their your bonuses and incentives. And, you know, when you look back and there's hall of fame voting, they look at this stuff and I mean, that's where, you know, I think Jefferson deserved this uh, a lot more than uh, than Herbert did this year. But we'll see. Uh, I think Jefferson, I think he's the type, too, that'll put a chip on his shoulder for this, too, So, which I'm okay with. I'm definitely okay with that, having a chip on his shoulder. Like, how much better can this guy get? Really, that's, that's really, you know, that's an important question here, too. How much better can Justin Herbert get versus how much better can Justin Jefferson get? If I get, you know, for the rest of – if I got 12 more years of what Justin Jefferson just gave me, he's a Hall of Famer. Period. He can't get better. Than he, I mean, yeah. can he? I mean, like, I mean, in terms of skill, like, can he become more fundamentally sound than he is? Probably. Can like he increase his ability to run? You know, I'm sure there are several routes that Justin Jefferson would tell you he can improve on. Can he improve on those things? Absolutely. He needs he needs digs level targets. That would be yeah. the next step here, uh, which is more of a Kubiak and Zimmer thing. For next year but if he gets the targets of a truly elite superstar receiver he started to get down the stretch last year right. uh, but from week one to week 16 if he's up able to get you know 100 and i got one of these guys get 150 plus targets uh in a season if he's able to get that then we're going to see some special numbers and he will get these pro bowls and all pros and um he will be up there in terms of receiving yards and it won't take long for him to move up the ranks and and uh i mean i the guy's the guy's impressive 
there's nothing else to say. He does everything the right way. He does everything um, incredibly well. And he's already a force. And he is a, you know, he's terrifying to defensive coordinators and DBs. They're already, you know, he saw it towards the end of the year. They're doing the bracket deal. They're doing the double team deal. Don't see that out of rookies. And that's why, you know, clearly there, there's a, there's a, a level of fear he imposes that, Herbert did not, in my opinion. So I know this, ultimately it, this is going to be, it's not going to matter. Like we're going to forget really pretty much about this in a few months when free agency hits and blah, 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 off season starts. It doesn't really matter, but it's just something that kind of makes you think, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what was, how, why the, the bias was so heavily towards Herbert when it, I'm still trying to figure out if positional value is a thing in this award or if it's not. Okay, so the final thing, and it kind of ties in to what you were just saying about, you know, we're not going to remember this. That it does it really matter? Probably not. Does it matter, Justin Jefferson? I'm sure it does. But to you know, the casual fan, the Vikings fans in general, like we're we're hot about it now. We're going to forget about it. But one thing that we're not going to forget is this ongoing debate about the pedestal that people are putting the quarterback position on. So yeah. I want to ask you now, you know, to kind of close out this segment and really the, the show in its entirety is that what's the fallout here, right? Like, what does this say about, you know, what's to come? Is it it's like, is every award just a quarterback award? Like, well, you have yeah, to ask that question at this point. Cause it's, it, it's to, gotten but, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, next year, I, I mean, you know, Trey Lance or I don't know who the, even Trevor Lawrence or whoever the quarterback is, they start, if you start 16 games and I mean, basically if you start 16 games, you're going to have enough attempts and enough, um, you know, opportunities to put up quality aggregate numbers. You're probably going to a surpass Justin Herbert's record for one, but then B you're going to win rookie of the year. Um, if you're one of those rookie quarterbacks that can start all 16 games or Herbert, what did he have 15 or something very close? Um, you're going to break the record and you're going to get a rookie of the year because that's really what it takes to win this award right now. Just be a, just be a rookie quarterback that starts the entire season. And uh, so now if moving forward, I would like to see a, this is kind of a, a proposal that I think is probably a little out there, but an MVP award for quarterbacks and an MVP award for non-quarterbacks right? Um, where you could get, you know, Aaron Donald could win an MVP or JJ Watt back in the day could win an MVP or, you know, you could talk about like, Jalen Ramsey during that Jags year could win an MVP. Like these guys that, you know, are having a massive impact on their team, but they're never going to get that type of credit for it just because of the quarterback position. And I think it's warranted by the way that quarterbacks are winning at VP every year. They should, it's just the, the nature of the position, but, or have an award that's, you know, maybe an MVP and then a best player award or something like that, because there's, there's a heavy bias toward quarterbacks and I, I, for what it's worth, I think it's warranted, but then I think your award should reflect that. I mean, that's a very good point. And I think that we can all relate to that, that, you know, like what, what, what more can a guy do? What more can Aaron Donald do? I mean, this doesn't even need to be a discussion about Justin Jefferson versus Justin Herbert. This right. can be, you know, a more open-ended discussion about just the quarterback position versus everyone else. Yeah. I mean, the best quarterback in the league, you know, if it's Patrick Mahomes and he does Everything, you know, if he puts up a 35 touchdown, 4,500 season, uh, high efficiency, high accuracy, and his team goes 14 and two, he's probably going to win the award unless yeah. there's another quarterback that is able to surpass all of that. 
There's mm-hmm. no, there's no world. Like we don't live in a world right now where, like, what more can you do? And that's frustrating to me. That's the fallout to this, to this, you know, this voting. It's yeah, more like, what, like what more could Justin? Like what more would you want Justin Jefferson to do? Throw passes? Do you want him to throw passes? Of the year. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually that's, astounding to think about. Like he had the best rookie season at receiver, arguably of all time, but certainly since Randy Moss in right. '98. Right? Uh, he surpassed everything that Quan Bolden did in 2003. I think it was 2003. Yeah, um, I mean, he got he, that. And that's and the same like was Herbert unquestionably the greatest quarterback rookie season of all time. And if it was, how long ago was that previous standard set? You know. With with Jefferson, it's either ever or it is like twenty years ago. Where that's by the goat, set. our goat at by least. the goat. Otherwise, yeah. you know, for Herbert, it's Baker Mayfield a couple years ago, or it's Russell Wilson, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. I mean, yeah, it, hell, there, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler Murray did two years. What two years ago? Yeah, Kyler Murray Last did year, two yeah, years whatever ago. Whatever it was. Yeah, um, all of these things are. You're right. They're duplicative. You can easily give us that same type of season again. And it probably is going to happen, especially with this quarterback class. Yeah. It's going to happen next year again. That's actually – I would like to – I'm going to go on the record right now. I'm going to say it on the record right now. Justin Herbert's – was he have yeah, passing touchdowns record for a rookie? That's what it was, I yep. think. Yep. That will be broken next year. And it will be – I'm going to go – I mean, Trevor – it might be broken twice. I mean, Lawrence, Fields, Dak Wilson, Trey Lance, one of them. At least one of them will start all 16 games. Uh, and they will break that record. And I, I, I'm not going to be as bold as to say that, but I will say that you have ground to stand on with that argument for sure. That it's that easy, and you know, with the talent that's coming in, um, with the Plus, right these teams are bad, and they're going to be. They're, so they're going to be. <laughs> that's losing. annoying to me too. That they're, like they're, they're going to be losing. They're going to be doing the garbage time. Like Blake Bortles threw 35 touchdowns in a season in 2015 because of garbage time. Right. That's what. That's a lot of what Herbert's touchdowns were this year. That's. I mean, now to credit that the flip side of that is the same deal happened with Justin Jefferson to a degree too, but we have to account for that stuff too, which is why I'm still, I feel very strong about, you know, that record's not going to last very long. Justin Jefferson's will last a long time. Absolutely. I I agree with you. I don't think that, you know, I don't see a receiver, you know, Devontae Smith is going to come into the NFL and he's going to have an opportunity here. Um, I don't see what Justin Jefferson being, Honestly, Jamar Chase is really the only one. His running mate at LSU is yeah. really the only guy that I see right now that could even come close in just in terms of immediate production. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a discussion that we could have forever, and I and that's why we're talking about it right now because this is you know this is something that we're going to keep talking about, and I think that this shined a light on something that's a real excuse me, it's not a real issue, but it's a, it's a, it's an annoyance. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's an annoyance that we're made that we're overblowing to make it seem like it's actually really gnawing at us, but it's just, it's something to discuss. It's going to keep happening. I mean, like what it if is. Derek, what, like what about Derek Henry, by the way? Well, here's the want... deal. Like, like, you know, here, here's a, a scenario for you. Like two years from now, Vikings draft the quarterback comes in, starts 16 games. And he puts up 34 touchdowns and then, you know, we're, we're going to be doing the same thing on the other side of the coin. We're going to be like, this guy is rookie of the year because he's the most viable. He's the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And there's and historical so, precedent to suggest that this is going yes. to happen. And yes. they're going to make the switch when the Vikings have the guy. <laughs> yeah. That's what's going to happen. And yeah. that's what's so annoying. Like, we can foresee this stuff as fans. Like this has just been yeah. – anyways, we can go around in circles for hours and hours. But we wanted to have this discussion because first and foremost, I like talking about it. I like having this argument. And I like having this discussion. But 
I think that all of us have an opinion here, right? Every one of you guys that's listening to this is probably sitting there like, you know, either agreeing with some of the things that we say or adding more to the conversation. And I encourage you to bring that up with us because while we covered a lot of ground here in about 15 minutes on Justin Jefferson, I think there's even more arguments for what makes him so great, right? What put him over the top this year? Uh, There's more, right? It's not just the volume numbers that he did. It's not just the impact that he had at an literally, you know, what, two weeks into the season, he became an immediate factor. It's not just those things. Like there's other stuff that he's doing too, that we're not even talking about. And the fact that he doesn't even have a chance, he didn't even have a chance. Yeah, like it wasn't even close. Like the, you know, you look the at like even the, the, the sports books, the odds, like it was like at the very end of the year, Jefferson was like 18 to one and Herbert was like minus 4,000 or whatever it was. It's like, like how, how is that the balance? Like it'd be one thing if it was like, close to 50 50 and but it was never even close like i think he had got like 10 of the 50 votes or something like it's just i it's really astounding to me that you know you i, I don't know i mean <laughs> i i have nothing else to add i'm i'm still dumbfounded it's i mean it's it's i'm i'm giving i'm it doesn't bother me as much as i'm making it seem like it does honestly right. like that's the that's the the honest truth but it is it is astounding that that's the 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 preference by so many media members that got a vote on that panel given what we know about both of those players you also have to wonder by the way i know that the chargers are a lower smaller market team and just like a smaller value LA. right but like was anyone even watching Justin Jefferson? Like, did you guys see what we saw? Because if you did, I feel like he would have gotten more votes. Again, we can keep going for hours and hours, yeah. but please feel, you know, encouraged to share your thoughts. With I us, mean, whether Chargers have a lot. They got that West Coast time slot, you know, a lot more eyes are on them mm-hmm. versus, you know, your Vikings, Lions, NFC North, <laughs> you do game. I don't know. It's just. We can go on. We can. It is what it, it is. What it is. But what it is is something that sucks, and that's not ideal for us as Vikings fans. And it's not ideal for a guy that really, truly made a greater impact than literally any of his predecessors outside of the greatest guy to ever play his position. That's the only point that I need to be honest with you. But if you have anything more to share, I encourage you to bring it up with us in the Daily Norseman comments section, uh, YouTube as well. Uh, Drew and I are on there if you prefer to watch this show. Um, if you want to listen to the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc., um, wherever else you listen to your podcast, you can find us there as well. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we appreciate you listening to the rest of the Climb in the Pocket Network. And we will be back next week with more. Uh, off-season discussion i think it's truly the off-season now with the super bowl concluded so we can start to dig into some things that the vikings did well and didn't do so well uh Mm -hmm. and there's some there's some offensive line talk to have as well uh given that the vikings don't even have a front five right now Uh, so we'll we'll start digging into those things next episode uh and yeah we'll well uh we always appreciate you guys listening so uh thanks for thanks for joining us today and we will catch you guys next week